for many years, Dr. Stanley Lohr was the greatly respected chair of the Department of Psychology at Indiana University of Pennsylvania. Far more important than that to me, however, was that throughout my middle school years, Dr. Lohr was my Sunday school teacher. I remember staring at his weathered hands holding his old Bible every Sunday. There was something fascinating to me about his hands. I remember that Dr. Lohr would always pause, sometimes for an awkward length of time, before he would ever read from the scripture or start praying, almost as if to allow the rambunctious Sunday school students around the table to quiet themselves before anything important would be said or read. I remember his creative and unconventional teaching and his commitment to helping us believe that these really weird stories in the Bible still mattered and that God still spoke through the ancient words of Scripture. I remember that he would ask me personal questions about my life, inquiring about how the algebra test had gone that week since I had prayed about it in Sunday school the week before, he wouldn't forget. And then I remember that every so often he would show up unannounced at one of my wrestling matches or one of my football games or one of my school concerts. And I think his motivation in that was to help his Sunday school students to understand that their lives mattered deeply to him outside of the context of Sunday school even. I'm convinced that my discipleship and my faith would not have been shaped as as urgently and as beautifully as it was shaped during those years had Dr. Lord not been a part of my life. I count him as one of the saints who somewhere along the way made the decision to become a servant for the sake of his faith. He didn't have to. He could have lived a great moral life without ever making that decision. But somewhere along the way, Dr. Lohr made the decision to serve young souls like mine through the generous offering of his time and his energy and his teaching and most importantly, his love. Dr. Stanley Lohr. I'm thinking about Dorothy. Dorothy offered testimony at the Sunday morning worship service in the inner city city congregation that I once served. And the members of that congregation would listen to Dorothy, not only because it was part of the culture of that congregation to accommodate testimony, but also because they genuinely believed that Dorothy was always worth hearing. When Dorothy would speak, she would frequently speak about the importance of justice and the pain of injustice and as an african-american woman who lived through the traumatizing racial dynamics of the 50s and the 60s and the 70s in this country she always had plenty of important things to say about matters of justice and injustice and she would take me to lunch and she'd share with me graciously portions of her life story and ask me about mine and I think that during those lunches Dorothy was mentoring me as only she could in what was one of her very favorite Wesleyan theological convictions and that was this there is no holiness apart from social holiness which is to say that for Dorothy it was never simply a matter about converting an individual soul without also focusing on a world a community 
that we're being transformed through the power of the gospel. I collected the offering plates one Sunday morning in that church and placed them on the altar. And I looked down, and in one of the plates, I noticed an old set of car keys with a note attached to it. And I hadn't seen that before in an offering plate. Had a lot of curiosity, but there were other matters in worship, so I tended to those. And then immediately following the benediction, came back to that altar, grabbed those car keys just so that I could read that note. And I discovered that it was a note from Dorothy. And it read essentially this way. Hey, Reverend Eric, I just wanted to let you know, I'll need these car keys back after the worship service. But... I was inspired to put them in the plate today. It was kind of a spontaneous thing because I finally saved up enough money to buy a new used car that's more reliable than the car that I'm driving. And so I'm, gonna, I'm going to sell the car that I'm currently driving and I really want to give the money from that sale to the church beyond what I normally give. I want to, I want to make it a special gift. And so I found her after the worship service in the narthex and I put the keys back in her hands and I just said, what inspired this? Why, why this special gift today? And she said, well, I guess I just wanted to bless this congregation in some tangible way because this congregation is never too busy to make room for my story. It means a lot to me. I guess I just want to bless this church in some tangible way. And by the way, she was true to her word. She sold that car. Don't ask me why I remember this, but it was a 1987 Buick LeSabre. She sold it and don't remember the amount of money, but she gave that money to the church and that money, whatever it was, covered our Sunday school curriculum for that entire year. And I'm absolutely convinced that my ministry, my personal discipleship would not have been shaped so significantly and so beautifully and so urgently during those years had Dorothy not been a part of my life. I count Dorothy one of the saints who somewhere along the way in her discipleship made the decision to be a servant for the sake of her faith. Didn't have to do that. But somewhere along the way, she made the decision to serve the church's ministry through the generous offering of her time and her energy and her voice and her vision and her resources. Dorothy. I don't know what your earliest memories of church are. Think about that for a moment. But my earliest memories of church involved seeing my dad up in a pulpit like this, my dad who was a United Methodist pastor, while sitting with my mother in one of the church pews. And I will tell you this, if my mother had not been so incredibly faithful about keeping her purse well stocked with lifesavers and velaments, I never, ever would have made it to lunch on those long Sunday mornings. But she was good about that. I knew I'd find something in that purse if I look long enough. When I was young, I asked my parents for permission to put our family offering envelope into the offering plates when it came around. It gave me this sense that I was participating in something important because mom and dad seemed to take this pretty seriously, and so I did that. Then when I was a little bit older, maybe five or six, I started to do the math on that envelope. And I started to calculate how much money that represented. And I remember thinking to myself at one point, do mom and dad understand how many comic books this money could buy? Do they, maybe, maybe they just don't understand. Maybe they just don't get it. And then I remember thinking a little further down the road, why do mom and dad give so much money to the church anyway? Because dad works for the church. The church should be paying him. They shouldn't be paying the church. I had already become a pretty articulate little capitalist by that point. 
But as I watched my parents over time, and please, you hear me talk about my parents a lot, I don't honor them when I put them on any kind of a pedestal. That's not at all my goal. But simply by watching them do what they did over time, I came to understand that this generosity of theirs, and it was a consistent thing, this generosity to family, this generosity to community, this generosity to church, mattered to them because they truly embraced the conviction that generosity was the way of Jesus. And they walked that way. And even when I say that, I know that I'm speaking to some souls who are not able to speak positively about their relationship with their parents. And if that's the case for you, please know that I always hold that in my heart. I never take that for granted. And it makes me all the more grateful to say what I just said about my own parents. I'm grateful that they were able to identify along the way that generosity was the way of Jesus. And they embraced that way. In fact, my dad in one of his sermons put it this way. If your love for something or someone, he preached, if your love for something or someone is not accompanied by the kind of generosity that makes sacrifice feel normal, it might not be as deep a love as you think it is. I don't put my parents on a pedestal, but I sure do count them as saints in my life. Somewhere along the way, they made the decision to become servants for the sake of their faith, and part of that decision was also deciding to serve their family and their community and their church through the generous offering of their time and their energy and their resources. It's how I was raised. See, in our part of the body of Christ, and isn't it a great thing that the body of Christ has so many parts and all the parts bring something important to the ministry of the gospel, but in our part of the body of Christ, saints are not canonized heroes who've done something publicly significant. They're relatives, friends, co-workers, colleagues, church people, who along the journey have shown us what it means to love deeply and to live with integrity, who've shown us what it means to hunger and thirst for righteousness, and who have shown us what it means to practice what might be described as sacrificial generosity. We see it in their very living. And I think that's precisely the kind of saint that Jesus had in mind in this morning's scripture from the Gospel of Matthew when he said, do not behave like some of those religious leaders. And in case you haven't figured this out about the Gospels yet, Jesus reserved his harshest words of judgment, not for public sinners, not for marginalized persons, but for religious leaders. He reserved his harshest words of judgment for religious leaders. Don't behave like some of the religious leaders, Jesus said, who love to be admired for their religion. For, who love to be admired for their religiosity and who love the best seats at religious festivals, but who do not practice what they teach and who do not lift a finger to ease the burden of a suffering world. Do not behave like that, Jesus says. Rather, focus on this truth. The greatest among you will be your servant. Those who exalt themselves will find themselves humbled. Those who humble themselves in servanthood 
will find themselves in all the right ways exalted. The greatest among you will be your servant. And the Greek word that's translated servant is diakonos, from which we derive the English word deacon, which is an office in the church. And it's one that carries with it the historical connotation of giving one's life away in sacrificial generosity for the purposes of God. And so with that in mind, on this All Saints Sunday, I simply ask you this question, how is your serve? Which is to say, how is your spirit of servanthood in your personal discipleship? And I'll make the question even more specific. How are you incarnating a spirit of servanthood in the practice of sacrificial generosity? The kind of sacrificial generosity that honors the legacy of the saints who have gone before us. The kind of sacrificial generosity that brings your life into a steady alignment with the way of Jesus. How is your serve? Many of you don't know me very well at this point, and as you get to know me, I think it will become clear to you that I am far too awkward and self-doubting to be skillfully manipulative. (laughs) I've tried, but I think I'm far too awkward and self-doubting to be skillfully manipulative. That's my own self-understanding. So, please believe me when I say that I do not mean for it to be at all manipulative when I say that I am approaching Commitment Sunday in the life of this great church, and for those of you who are new, you might not know what Commitment Sunday is, but Commitment Sunday is that time when the members and friends of Christ Church make a prayerful financial commitment to the 2024 ministry of our congregation. It's an important time. It's a sacred time. It's a prayerful time. And our Commitment Sunday is next Sunday, the 12th, and I'm excited about it because it's my very first Commitment Sunday in the life of this church. And Tara and I have been thinking and talking and praying about what our giving needs to look like in 2024. It's one of the best conversations that we have in marriage. And I do not mean for it to be at all manipulative when I say that I'm approaching Commitment Sunday this year, praying that the members and friends of Christ Church will be inclined to look upon this year's Commitment Sunday as a joyful opportunity. And I'm using those words very intentionally, not an act of institutional obligation, but a joyful opportunity to serve the church's ministry about which you will hear more and more, but that they will see Commitment Sunday as an opportunity to serve the church's ministry with their sacrificial generosity, simply because they believe in their hearts that the church deserves nothing less than that. I think that's Commitment Sunday at its best. The church's people serving the church's ministry with their sacrificial generosity. But beyond that, beyond Commitment Sunday, I find myself praying also that sacrificial generosity will start showing up everywhere in your life. That sacrificial generosity will find fresh expression in the way that you serve your friends, in the way that you serve your family members, in the, sw- in the way that you contribute to your work, in the way that you become attentive to your coworkers and your colleagues, in the way that you value the strangers whose paths you cross every single day, sometimes without thinking very much about it. 
so that sacrificial generosity will become a way of life for you and so that your portion of the world will begin to experience through you the church's ministry of authentic servanthood. Because after all, it was Jesus who said, the greatest among you will be your servant, diakonos, which means the greatest among you will be those who see fit to give their lives away in sacrificial generosity for the purposes of God. I believe with all of my heart that the saints understood that truth and lived it. And may we follow their continuing leadership, all for the sake of Jesus, in whose name we come to the table and in whose name I gratefully preach. Amen.